by Norman J. Clement RPH, DDS, Norman L. Clement Farm Tech, Malachi F. McCandle Farm D, Belinda Brown Parker, in the spirit of Joseph Salvo Esquire, in the spirit of Rev. C.T. Vivian, Jelani Zimbabwe Clement, B.S., M.B.A., in the spirit of the Han. Patrice Lumumba, in the spirit of Erlen Clement S.R., Walter F. Ren III, M.D., Julie Killingworth, Willie Ginyard B.S., Joseph Webster M.D., M.B.A., Beverly C. Prince M.D., Fax, Richard Call, M.D., Leroy Baylor, J.K. Joshi M.D., M.B.A., Adrienne Edmondson, Esther Hyatt Ph.D., Walter L. Smith B.S., in the spirit of Brom Fisher Esquire, Michelle Alexander M.D., Kudjo Wilding B.S., Martin Jew B.S., R.P.H., in the spirit of Deborah Lynn Shepard, Barris E. Muchet, Strategic Advisors. Final IN4 Part Topic Series July 23, 2021 The American Medical Association wants a major overhaul to the CDC's 2016 Opioid Prescription Guidelines, charging that the guidelines are unintentionally harming patients and accelerating the opioid epidemic. Patients with painful conditions need to be treated as individuals, Mukamala wrote in a letter to the CDC Injury Center's Board of Scientific Counselors. The U.S. opioid epidemic no longer appears to be primarily driven by opioid prescriptions, and the AMA pointed out that physicians reduced opioid prescribing by over 44% since 2012. However, the drug overdose epidemic has gotten worse, now primarily fueled by illicitly manufactured fentanyl, fentanyl analogs, heroin, methamphetamine, and cocaine, a development that AMA Board of Trustees Chairman Bobby Mukamala, MD, argued was triggered by undertreatment of pain as a result of arbitrary dosing and quantity thresholds recommended in the 2016 guidelines. The AMA is urging the CDC to remove arbitrary thresholds, restore balance and support comprehensive, compassionate care as it revises the guideline, the AMA wrote in a statement. Adhesive arachnoiditis chronic pain series. A major issue, according to the AMA's June 2020 letter to the CDC, is that many states, health plans, and pharmacy chains misapplied the CDC guidance to institute strict, specific limits on opioid prescribing. For example, Walmart and CVS Caremark placed a seven-day hard threshold on prescribing. The struggle of human beings, Johannesburg, South Africa. And more than 30 states have enacted laws with opioid prescribing restrictions ranging from 3 to 14 days, including many with morphine milligram equivalents, MME, limits and other restrictions. CDC's threshold recommendations continue to be used against patients with pain to deny care, Mukamala wrote. We know that this has harmed patients with cancer, sickle cell disease, and those in hospice. The restrictive policies also fail patients who are stable on long-term opioid therapy. Much of the guidelines supporting text was not balanced and was missing key studies, and it focused heavily on the risk and potential harms of opioids while paying less attention to the potential benefits, or the risks of not taking opioids or undertreating pain. There were several points at which the guidelines could be misapplied and potentially lead to patient harm. The guideline paid too little attention to racial-slash-ethnic disparities and inequities in how pain is perceived, valued, and managed. While it is important to have opioid prescribing benchmarks, specific opioid dose thresholds can be misapplied as absolute cutoffs. Certain specific conditions are named in the guidelines, while others are not, potentially leading to interpretation regarding whether pain is real or worthy of certain types of treatment. 
Patients with pain need the CDC to be their advocate and urge it to rescind the perceived limits on opioid therapy doses or days, Mukamala told the Board of Scientific Counselors. We have an opportunity here to care for these patients responsibly with your help. October 5, 2021 The rules of the game were made different. October 15, 2015 Continue Unnecessary secrecy and extremely limited opportunities to provide comments. From Robert Twillman, Ph.D., Fabn Executive Director American Academy of Pain Management 2. The Honorable Fred Upton Chairman House Energy and Commerce Committee United States House of Representatives Washington, D.C. We acknowledge that, because the document in question is a guideline, and not a proposed rule, the ordinary standards for obtaining and considering feedback from anyone who wishes to comment do not apply. We also note that members of the Senate Health, Education, Labor and Pensions Committee have very recently expressed concern about government agencies using a guideline development process as a means of circumventing the standard requirements for transparency and public comment. HTTP colon slash slash www.help.senate.gov slash chair slash newsroom slash press slash senators challenge Department of Labor Regulatory Actions. That said, we are at a loss to explain the extraordinary secrecy and extremely limited opportunities for comment attached to this guideline development process. Within both the medical and regulatory fields, it is axiomatic that transparency and vigorous debate considering a wide variety of viewpoints produce the best results. To that end, when most government regulatory bodies propose new policies, they fully disclose the expert consultants advising them, and they accept comments from a wide array of sources, allowing at least 30, and more often 90, days to receive those comments. This allows all stakeholders concerned with the content of the proposed policy to a. Be aware of the proposal so they can ensure that their concerns are communicated, and b. Have time to carefully consider it and discuss the proposal so that they can offer well-reasoned comments and suggestions for approval. Due to the strict secrecy and limited participation in the development process established by CDC in this case, neither of those was possible, except as it concerns the expert groups. Consider. To this date, CDC has not publicly identified the members of any of the three expert groups. Every communication we receive as a stakeholder group reminds us to maintain confidentiality with respect to the content of the draft guideline. The comment period provided to webinar participants was extraordinarily limited, to such an extent that it was challenging even for experts in this arena to construct well-reasoned comments in time to submit them. There will be no further review by stakeholders after the next draft of the guideline is written. Comments received by CDC will be stripped of information identifying their source, and may also have their content edited so as to allow presentation of a summary of the comments, rather than the actual comments. This contrasts sharply with the practice of regulatory agencies that post all comments, with attribution, on their websites. In the end, this guideline doesn't give us anything we don't already have as our prior work with CDC demonstrated, there is no shortage of clinical practice guidelines, issued by a variety of professional organizations and regulatory bodies, with a variety of patient populations in mind. All of them are consensus guidelines, reflecting primarily the opinions of experienced clinicians because of the paucity of evidence regarding long-term use of opioids to treat chronic pain. The recommendations contained in the existing guidelines vary to some degree, but most of them are consistent with the recommendations in CDC's draft guideline. 
So what have we accomplished, if CDC issues another such guideline? In one sense, we will have achieved nothing, because it won't contribute something new to the discussion. In another sense, though, the potential for unintended negative consequences for people with pain is substantial. Experience with similar clinical practice guidelines has shown that many clinicians treat them as rules, not as guidelines and that a substantial portion of primary care providers, the stated targets of this guideline, will simply opt to stop prescribing opioids to their patients with chronic pain. What will these people do to address their pain? George Tenet, MD. Our request. In light of the concerns we have detailed here, we respectfully request that your committee looks into CDC's actions with respect to this guideline development process. We think that questions need to be asked and answered, with respect to the poor quality evidence underlying these strongly recommended evidence-based guidelines, the process of selecting experts to participate in the various groups involved in developing these guidelines, potential sources of undisclosed bias from a variety of sources, the implications of CDC issuing a clinical practice guideline developed without the benefit of appropriate peer review, that could limit access to pain medications for people who benefit from them, and the reasoning behind the lack of transparency and opportunity for comment from the public found in this process. Unless these questions are adequately addressed, the organizations with clinicians who strive to treat chronic pain, and in fact do so with opioids, will not support them but will, by necessity, be forced to actively oppose them, ensuring that clinicians understand why. As we mentioned above, we believe that this is a situation in which transparency and robust academic debate will produce the best outcome. We urge you to strongly encourage CDC to withdraw this draft guideline and, should they decide to start over, to engage in a process that is more transparent and inclusive of the needs and views of all clinicians and patients, both those with pain and those who misuse opioid pain relievers. Sincerely, Robert Twillman, Ph.D., Fabm, Executive Director, American Academy of Pain Management, C.C., the Honorable Frank Pallone, Jr., Ranking Member, House Energy and Commerce Committee, the Honorable Joseph R. Pitts, Chair, Health Subcommittee, House Energy and Commerce Committee, the Honorable Tim Murphy, Ph.D., Chair, Oversight, and Investigation Subcommittee House Energy and Commerce Committee. For now, you are within. The Nemesis Benjamin Clementine 2015, London, England. The Norms.